0: You're listening to Ask the Expert on Sprott Money News. Well, greetings once again from everybody at Sprott Money News, SprottMoney.com. It is now May of 2022, and it's time for your Ask the Expert segment. I'm your host, Craig Hemke. Joining us this month is Frank Justra. If you've had any uh, connection to mining sector, mining industry over the last couple of decades, you no doubt know who Frank Juistra is. Uh, he is a mining expert. He is an industry expert, a mining finance expert. He is currently the CEO of the Fiori Group of Companies, but also, even more important than that, he's an international philanthropist. Uh, He is a fantastic new guest for us here at Ask the Experts, so it's a pleasure to welcome him. Frank, thank you so much for your time. Hey, Craig. Great to be on. And and of course, before we get started, just the reminder we always give you, this content is produced... Uh, and put out on the internet, buy Sprout Money. So you want to keep Sprout Money in mind anytime you're in the market looking for any precious metal or storing your precious metal. have had quite the month and pull back in price. May not quite be done yet, but gosh, price is certainly less expensive than they were a month ago. If you're looking to add to your stack, go to SproutMoney.com. Of course you can call them at 888-861-0775. Uh Frank as we get started before I get to the questions that we've collected for you tell us a little bit about what you're doing lately because I know the international philanthropy part is keeping you busy but you're also still got your hands in, in uh, the mining sector.
1: Yeah, yeah, I can't help myself it's, it's 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 an old habit that it's it's hard to hard to kill. Yeah no my uh, every Five or six years we I started a new gold mining company and I've been doing that the last 20 years. The first one was uh, Wheaton River which became Gold Corp um, that we started in 2001 when gold was 250 an ounce and nobody, nobody cared and we built a major gold mining company. I think at its height it had a $50 billion market cap uh, in 2010 I think it was. Then in 2009, I started, I started Endeavor Mining, which uh, was focused on West Africa, and we started that from scratch, and uh, over the years built that into a five-mine company in different countries in West Africa. We exited that in 2016, uh, I think it currently has about an $8 billion market cap um then 2016 we started leia gold which uh had mines in mexico and brazil and we merged that with ross Beatty's equinox i'm still a big shareholder of equinox and uh it's probably got a market cap of around two and a half three billion and uh and then uh a year and a half ago we started the fourth one which uh i hope is my swan song i'm getting older and uh it's called Aeris, a-r-i-s eris gold and um we're gonna build that into a major gold mining company. I've got uh, Neil Woodyer, who ran both Endeavor and uh, Leah Gold as CEO. And we've got Ian Telfer, who was the CEO of uh, Gold Corp. When we did that, he's chairman and uh, a number of other people on the board, Peter Moroni and David Garofalo, Fino Yacono And um, right now it's got about a $230 million market cap. We have two deposits in Colombia a combined 10 million ounces of gold to our credit um, and very good grades. And we'll be moving those towards production over the next year or two. And that will be the beginnings of what we're gonna do. We're gonna create obviously our, our uh, model and approach was always to buy and build using the capital markets. And and that's we've done that very well. We're very experienced with that. So we're hoping to build that to a million ounce a year producer over the next we usually give it three to five years to build these things out and uh, so that's that's the next one I'm working on.
0: and the track record is is undeniable and that you know whenever we talk about uh, mining companies on my side, it's always jurisdiction and team you know and if the team's yeah. done it before, it's pretty likely they know how to do it again. and well, I would say that's true of your team yeah
1: you know, given given the the business model that we use which is to buy and build and using m a, uh, it's all about the jo- jockey. the jockey's paramount in this. Uh, because that's you know it's the expertise that you need to make all these things happen because they're not easy this is not easy work it's very very hard and sometimes it can be very heartbreaking um you get disappointments along the way but uh it, you know we we always get there in the end
0: yeah yep i that's and it's funny aris gold is in you know the symbol off the top of your head frank
1: um it's a-r-i-s on toronto
0: there you go. And for all everybody, go check that one out. That's for sure. All right, Frank, uh, the folks that's brought Money have been soliciting questions over the internet. I've got, uh, let's see, seven of them. Okay. Uh, if you're ready, we'll start with number one. Let's do it. All right. Actually, one has a sister question of number two, and you'll see what I mean by that when we get done with number one. But number one is, uh, what are the key criteria that you're looking for to signal much higher prices for gold ahead?
1: Well, yeah, this is an interesting question. And uh, as you know, as, you, as I'm sure everybody's seeing, gold is under a bit of pressure right now. And what's happening is, and if you look back in history, this is always what happens. When you are in the initial stages of a market meltdown, as we are seeing today, there's a rush to cash. Uh, and the initial reaction is to liquidate every asset class, go to cash, and it's indiscriminate. So gold gets pounded with everything else at the beginning. Um, there's also a rush to relative the, the relative safety of, of the US dollar and the liquidity of the US dollar so that gets the US dollar index going up which has an inverse relationship with 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 uh, gold so you know that's that's putting putting some pressure on um, and I think a lot of people still share the belief that the Fed will actually raise rates and this is where I've been pounding on the table since before the 2008 crisis uh, and definitely after the 2008 crisis they cannot, raise rates. They've tried. They can talk about it all they like, but they will never pull it off. My guess is they'll get rates up to about one and a half, two percent, and then they will back off again. And you will see, mark my words, you will see quantitative easing again in the in the near future. Um, and so once that charade is over, I think that's when gold will bounce back. Um, you know, keep in mind that real interest rates are still very deep in negative territory. You know, if you've got, you got. A one percent interest rate and eight and a half percent inflation uh, is going to—it's got a long way to go. So I think inflation's here to stay, which is going to be good for gold. And I think that once the dust settles after this meltdown, you're going to see a, a focus back in, in, in the gold sector.
0: All right, then here comes question two—the the sister question that I, I mentioned. Uh, what are the signals that would convince you that lower gold prices were coming?
1: If the Fed actually did what they are talking about doing, which I I think is absolutely impossible without imploding the whole global uh, financial system, um, but if, if if rates started to really move towards, say, two and a half, three, three and a half percent, then I'd be worried. It ain't going to happen.
0: Yeah. Uh, and actually, we'll get back to that. There's a later question that we're going to get back to that topic. So I want to get dig into that a little bit deeper. Uh, but for now, let's move on to question three, which actually is 3A, three 3B, three and 3C. Now, <laughs> when I get asked questions like this, Frank, I always forget like, and what was the third one? So, <laughs> so don't don't okay. feel bad if we got to double back. I'm going right. to hit you with all three and just let all you right. run with it. All right. All right so this this kind of gets more into just your personal journey. Uh, from an early age, what factors drove your success? How did you get involved in the mining sector? How'd you choose mining to be uh, such a focus of your life? And who were your primary influences and mentors?
1: Okay. Well, what drove my success was poverty. (laughs) Um, I grew up, uh, you know, we grew up in a very, uh, a family of very little means. Uh, My parents were uh, immigrants, came to this country. And uh, so we had very, very little money. And uh, so, I, you know, I started working at the age of 12, first mowing lawns. And then catching chickens in the middle of the night, and then throwing hay bales, construction work, worked in a store, worked in a gas station, I, anything to make money, uh, because I didn't like being poor. And so at the age of 19, I read a book called Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, which I think yep. influenced many, many people throughout the decades. And it just gave me this inspiration, I guess. I And I realized that I wanted to be wealthy, I wanted to be successful. And so how I got into this business was uh, really interesting. My father and I never got along. He and I were just always butting heads. And he and I, I wasn't doing well in school because I didn't care. I just had no interest in school, in high school. And although late at nights I would read an encyclopedia set because I wanted to learn. But I just didn't want to do it in front of everybody. Um, and, um, and so one day I walked into the breakfast room and he... Um, was reading the quote section of the newspaper and i made the mistake of asking what what he was doing and at first he wasn't terribly impressed <laughs> that i asked but then i said no really i'm serious i want to know so he sat me down uh, and started explaining he was very proud to explain how it all worked because he was he was working in the mines he worked in throughout all the mines in uh, canada uh, as a driller and a blaster so he knew the you know, what was going on in the stock market with respect to discoveries, this and that. So he was a real gambler. He loved to play the the junior mining stocks. And so about a week later, he took me in to see his broker. And I remember walking into this broker's room. I was 19 years old and the ticker tape was on the wall and everybody's on the phone and yelling and screaming. And I knew that I wanted to be a broker. (laughs) And that's just, it was just, I had no idea what a broker did at that point, but I was convinced I wanted to be a broker.
0: And then I, I guess further, you, then you just focused on the mining because that's oh, kind I, of the, where you were? Yeah, because I started at Merrill Lynch in
1: Vancouver and they put me, because I was so young and inexperienced, they put me on the Vancouver trading desk at the time because Merrill Lynch didn't have a seat on the stock exchange. So all the orders from for the Vancouver stock exchange in those days, back in the late seventies, from all over the world, from Merrill Lynch's entire network had to come to our desk. And that's how I got exposed to the whole Mining yeah. game and yeah. uh, two years later, I was hired away by a, by a very small firm. It was like a two man operation called Yorkton Securities. I went in there as a junior partner, uh, very junior, and slowly over the years, I ended up living in Europe and opening up the London, Zurich and Paris offices. Came back in 1990, spent my entire 80s in Europe and came back in the 90s and became president of the firm. And eventually I became chairman and CEO. And we specialized in mining. I created a mining team. Um, much like the mining teams that existed in London at the time. And then I brought it all back to Canada. And we, uh, you know, during the mining boom in the first half of the 90s, um, up until the Briac scandal, we were one of the, we were, we were the go-to firm for, for junior mining finance.
0: All right. Well, let's uh, I'm gonna go off in a totally different direction. I mentioned in the intro, of course, it's brought Money, uh, has a bullion storage program. Um, and this gets a bullion storage, I mean, especially in the world that we live in, Frank. So I, I value your opinion on this one. Um, question four is what in your mind is the safest bullion storage jurisdiction?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. And 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 I'm not blowing smoke here, but here here's I, I get asked often how do I how does one invest in gold? I said, well it depends on your objective. To preserve wealth, you need to own physical gold, okay? Not paper gold, but physical gold. So, but there's always limitations on you know how much you can own and storage and all those things. If you want to trade the gold market, trade the ETFs, you know the GLDs. Um, if you want to make money, uh, buy the gold mining stocks. And if you want to get rich and take some risk, then buy the junior mining stocks. So it really does depend on your on your on your motivation. But going back to your question, um, you know I I would never with the money that I want to, to be used as preservation of wealth, I would not put it in the GLDs because I don't mm-hmm. know whether that gold is there or not. I don't know how many times that gold is sold. And, you know, it, it, mm. I, I just don't trust it. Um, I know Sprott has a, 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 a much safer way of storing gold where, where you, you feel more secure that that gold is there. The other one is the uh, ZKBs, which trade on the Zurich stock exchange. Uh, which are convertible into gold. Um, if you, you know, it's the Zurich or Cantonal bank in, in Zurich, which is, uh, uh, they, they issue these, uh, they trade on the Zurich stock exchange. You can buy them and sell them like you can with the GLDs, but you can also walk in with your certificate and ask for your gold and it's sitting in the vault in, in the bank in uh, in Zurich. So I would look at the SPROT, I would look at the ZKBs, or if you have a safe somewhere, and you feel like only physical or coins or bars or wafers or whatever, do that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Maybe the safest jurisdiction is always your personal safe. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we are already more than halfway done. I promised I would get back to this whole Powell pivot idea. So question five, uh, we had a couple people write in about this. You know um, it seems like, the, the gold and silver, as we record this, are really focused in on this notion, as you know, Bill Dudley has said, driving Fed funds to 5%. Um, the last time, the Fed has done this a couple of times now since a great financial crisis, Frank, as you know, they kind of spun this yarn that they're going to run off the balance sheet and put everything back to normal, whatever that is. Um, last time they tried this in 18, they, you know the stock market broke 20%, and we got Powell pivot number one. So there's a long lead-in uh, to the simple question of many analysts expect Powell pivot number two in the months ahead. Uh, do you agree? And uh, if so, when would we start seeing signs of that?
1: Yeah, no, I absolutely agree because as I said earlier, it's mathematically impossible to raise rates substantially. It's I, You will implode the entire system. Global debt since the great um, financial crisis global debt has doubled to $300 trillion. How are you going to raise government debt? The federal debt in the US is $30 trillion. Using normalized rates, they would implode the whole system. And what gets me is that they know this. They understand this. They know that if you combine household debt with corporate debt and government debt, all the developed countries have about higher than 250% GDP debt to GDP ratio that's unsustainable, and there's no way you can have normalized rates. Anything above 2% is going to implode the entire system. My guess is that they will use because they have no tolerance for a recession. So, Mm -hmm. when a recession hits and it will hit, they will back off. You know, Wall Street will scream, they'll throw their toys out of the crib. and uh, and have their tantrum. And you can already see the media campaign starting, you know, warning that, you know, we're going to go into a recession. And I guarantee you that the Fed will back off again, because they have no choice. They're in a box. It's an inescapable trap that they created post 2008, and they will never get out of
0: it. You know, in the three times they've tried this, when the curtain's been pulled back, and it's been revealed that that they were pulling your leg all along about this stuff. That's when gold and silver really soared. Yeah, that's right. And so once they blink,
1: that's when gold will take off. So yeah. I don't know when, you know, there's another rate, hike. probably another rate hike coming. My guess at around one and a half, certainly at 2%, that's when things will really start to crumble and they will back off.
0: Do you think the stock market will be the key, Frank? Will they, like if you get down 20, 25, 30% in the S&P, will that be an important factor?
1: Not, not necessarily if, it's, if, if it falls in, in an orderly way. Um, hmm. But you know with all the debt out there, Craig, there's an accident that's bound to happen. yeah okay There's so much leverage out there that you will there's you know and, and all the crazy speculation that's taking place in you know whether it's the, the tech stocks, the meme stocks, the specs, the cryptocurrencies, Nfts buying real estate in the meta universe, all of this stuff mm. is lunacy. It's lunacy. And this is the biggest bubble in history that you're witnessing um, the air coming out of right now. And and I think that there's bound to be an accident in one of those categories somewhere along the line. And that's when the Fed will come to arrest you because they cannot afford to implode the entire financial system.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on to question six. And uh, I, I, this really, I think, gets right to the heart of, of your experience, Frank. And I'm excited to get your answer for it. Um, since silver prices have not kept up with inflation, uh, whether it's the last decade, you know, last 20 years, whatever. Uh, will silver mining companies ever be a good investment?
1: Yeah. and But, you know, listen, I've been watching the gold and silver, silver prices my entire life. I start, like I said, I started in the 1978, I got into this industry. And remember when the, the bunk, Uh, Hunter Bunker Bunker Hunt started uh, that corny and they took silver up to $50 an ounce and and then it all imploded. Um, I've been watching it since then and silver will always track gold. Okay, so you can ask me the same question about gold. Silver will always track gold. Sometimes it will underperform, sometimes it will overperform, but gold will always take the lead um, because it is the the one that is not, that is also a currency. So uh, in my experience, you know, silver has its moment in time when gold really runs, that's when silver outperforms, but you have to see a real run in gold first. Silver will not take off by itself.
0: All right, my friend, then this is the last question. I think this is particularly timely uh, given that uh, silver had fallen, uh, let's see, 16 days in a row. Mm-hmm. And now 17 out of 19 is down $6 in uh, four weeks. Uh, gold is down more than 10%, more than $200 in four weeks. And so we kind of stand at this crossroads. It's like, okay, looks like this is a dip to buy. So uh, again, long intro, short question. If I handed you, uh, let's say US dollars, let's say about 2000 US dollars right here in this instant, would you buy yourself an ounce of gold? Uh, or would you buy yourself uh, whatever that is, 10 ounces of silver or 100 ounces of silver? Uh, silver. Those are my
1: only two choices?
0: Yeah, gold or silver right gold now. Gold or silver.
1: I, I, I would honestly, I, right now, I, I would buy gold because it will lead the charge. You can always trade, rotate into silver later if, if, if you'd still, you're still bullish about the, your precious metals. But I would put it in gold right now because gold has to lead the charge. And I know there are a lot of silver fans out there and I get it. Um, but I'm just looking at it from the perspective of my experience over 40, 45 years.
0: Yes. And, and again, you feel certain that the Powell pivot is coming and that ought to light a fire under gold and then eventually drag silver with it.
1: Oh, absolutely. There's no doubt in my mind that that pivot is coming. And, 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 and listen, to all your, all your listeners, and here's the one message I want to get across. Because I've been through this so many times. And every time you go through it, you feel like it feels desperate. It feels yep. like it's over. It feels like it will never recover. And of course, it always does. So don't panic. Um, if you believe in precious metals because you believe what the Fed is doing is destroying the fiat currency, which they are, you have to have your core holding of gold and silver. Hang on to that. Don't let go of it. It'll go up and down over time, but the trend will always be up. And there will be a day when you wake up, I believe, and we'll have a reset of the global monetary system. And that's an entirely different story. And when that happens, I think gold is going to play a very important
0: role. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt about that. I agree. I agree with you there. Again, we've been speaking with Frank Juster, our Ask the Expert uh, guest here for May of 2022. Again, just a reminder, please keep Sprott Money in mind anytime you're in the market for precious metals. And if anything, uh, if you enjoy this information that Sprott Money puts out month after month, at least give them a like on whichever channel you're listening to this or uh, subscribe so you can get notified every time they put out something new. That will help them. That's how that, how that uh, search engine stuff works. That'll help them broaden the net and uh, get this information uh, distributed as widely as possible. So give us a like or a subscribe if you can. Uh, Frank, uh, thank you so much for your time. It's been fascinating and it's been a pleasure to get a chance to visit with you. Hey, Craig, great meeting you. And from all of us here at Sprout Money News and SproutMoney.com, thank you for listening. We'll have another Ask the Expert segment next month.